Honor AANHPI heritage, communities, and families today by getting vaccinated for a safer tomorrow. Vaccination greatly reduces your chance of having COVID symptoms like fatigue, pain, and memory problems that last for months. Protect your tomorrow with a vaccine today. Talk to a doctor if you have any questions. Find vaccines and boosters near you at vaccines.gov. We can do this. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. How are you feeling? I'm feeling Asian. Welcome to Feeling Asian, a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. I'm Young Me Mayor. And I'm Brian Park. <laughs> Brian, I'm so excited. I feel Young like Me's I'm freaking usually, out, everyone. <laughs> usually Brian freaks out and I and I keep it cool because I don't I don't have any I disassociate. But today I'm like actually <laughs> freaking out. I'm so excited for this guest and I think we should introduce him right away. Oh, yeah. I think our listeners are all freaking out right now. So let's just jump right into it. Uh, <laughs> listeners, you are definitely going to know our guests because they were recently in literally the best movie ever. If you haven't ever? seen it, go see ever. Everything Everywhere all at once. Just, just uh, go see it. <laughs> go see it. But um, our wonderful guest this week is an actor and human being. <laughs> listeners, give your ears to <laughs> Stephanie Shu. Hi. <laughs> Uh, for the record, I, I definitely uh, told Brian to introduce me as human being, and I, I appreciate you following through with that. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Nice. Well, Stephanie, uh, we're so, so excited to have you on the podcast and, you know, learn all about you. But uh, before we jump into it, uh, young me, how are you feeling? Oh, my gosh. Um, I'm feeling really good. I'm drinking V8 juice. I don't know if you saw me doing that. Did you nice. see me Vintage. doing that? And it's wow. <laughs> That's just tomato soup. <laughs> yeah, I well, feel like I've, V. Uh, isn't it like unhealthy for you? I feel like it definitely. Unhealthy? I think so. Yeah, it's nineteen. <laughs> it's health fruit from the '80s, which means it's it's uh, carcinogenic. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I bought it. I saw it at the store two days ago, and then I put it in the fridge two days ago, and it's warm still. So, oh my god! Right. Really? It's viscose. <laughs> it's viscose and carcinogenic. Everyone, this is an ad for V8. They paid me to be drinking V8, and I'm making them look very bad. I'm just kidding. It's, um, I'm drinking V8. I guess it's my healthy thing. I'm like sitting among my plants, which is my ADHD hobby of the week. They'll all be dead by this time next week. So say goodbye. <laughs> They're not gonna be here. Um, how am I feeling? I, you know, I had a very busy week, but I just sometimes I feel like maybe being busy is the cure for me being so mentally ill. <laughs> like, like because because I, I was so busy that I like couldn't stop and spiral and stuff. You know what right. I mean? Because right. I've just been like waking up doing stuff and then going to bed and then like at nighttime I'm like, well, I have a lot of stuff to do tomorrow, so I'm gonna go to bed at ten. Yo, you know, because usually is, I'm, I'm up till like three spiraling about stupid stuff. Right. I mean, yeah. this is just a testament. It's a running joke on this podcast that um, our Asian immigrant mothers are always right. This is a straight out yeah. of the immigrant playbook. Just be just so busy <laughs> to just you cannot be <laughs> mentally ill. Like you, you just don't even have the time to check in with yourself. That's amazing. I feel like before the pandemic, I was really into work life balance and then specifically just not. <laughs> choosing to be a workaholic and then honestly in the last two years i've been like you know what if your coping mechanism is work have at it like yo hard. You let's know? go <laughs> seriously this is worth let's just let's just lean right into the asian part y'all um, yeah, yeah totally right and i am you know, lazy yeah there's a y2k resurgence happening i think we got to bring back girl boss mentality you know it was oh, no. it was gone for four years let's bring it back baby we're gonna bring it yeah it's like we're we're like gonna be ahead of the trend right exactly the, we're doing it vintagely <laughs> we're doing it ironically it's supposed to be funny okay we're right. like too hip. So, we're so hip that we look like we're behind <laughs> um, oh no i was just saying that joke Brian about the Asian moms because it's like my mom's always like I had like really bad depression when I was a kid and my mom was mm -hmm. like you were lazy as a kid you would just lay down <laughs> lay down for days <laughs> and I was like mom I was really severely depressed <laughs> but I don't know Brian maybe you're right maybe maybe my mom was right 
okay, first and foremost, uh, it sounds like you're busy and it's it's all good things. <laughs> but um, yeah, how are you feeling yeah. about all of it though? I, I mean, I'm being honest, like it has, it has like made me like too busy to really sit down and like have my dark <laughs> thoughts. It's really helped right. me. And I, but um, so yeah, it, I guess it's like, it feels very chaotic. So maybe that's why, cause I'm just like, mm. like I don't have a minute to really just like, um, ponder I'm, I'm really I feel like I'm having like a weird epiphany like you know my Korean mom was right the whole time right but, um, right right no in, in all seriousness yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> like get older um in all seriousness seriousness I do feel like I'm in a good mood and I'm not gonna qu- I'm just gonna go with it I'm not gonna think about it do you know what I mean I'm not gonna like why you know because yeah, I feel like yeah. there was a there was a period where every time I was in a good mood, I would be like, I'm having a manic episode. But I'm like, <laughs> why do I have to pathologize everything? You know, I'm in a good mood. Who cares? I love that. Right? I love that. It's probably the V8. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, How about you? better be sharing some of that branded money that you got from V8 because this yeah. is definitely an ad here. <laughs> yeah. Um, how about you, Brian? How are you feeling? Yeah, strangely similarly, and uh, Stephanie, this was not intentional by any means. This is sort of morphing into a, a work productivity themed episode. But uh, in the last, so I was away for the last two and a half weeks um, on vacation slash uh, working remotely from Mexico City, and I realized so the, the the pace of life there is is much slower, and uh, I, I went into it with the mentality of like this is very much a vacation. I'm gonna unplug. I'm not going to check Slack or my emails or et cetera, et cetera, as frequently. And I found that I was getting so antsy and anxious on vacation because mm-hmm. I I cannot fucking unplug. Like I think my natural state of being is just to constantly be checking my emails. And even if there's nothing there, I, I, I don't know, like just the, just an email related to work just is heroin to my brain and I need it. And damn, I, I think I'm a workaholic and I have mixed feelings about it. Uh, I was kind of beating myself up over it because I'm like, what is wrong with me? You know, like life is short. Life is fleeting. Why am I so addicted to work and uncomfortable with just chilling on a beach? Mm-hmm. And uh, Stephanie, you just said that, uh, you know, maybe that's lean into it. So I'm ambivalent right now. I don't know how to feel, but it is a it is a realization that I've made about myself is that I am fully addicted to work and I don't know if I'm capable of uh, of chilling, but we'll see. <laughs> are you good at are you good at like working really hard and then taking a week off at the end of the year? You know what I mean? Like, are there windows of time that you can veg out? I don't allow myself. This was my first vacation since pre-pandemic. And mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I, I always attributed it to matters of circumstance. Like, oh, it was a pandemic and there were so many travel restrictions. Like, I, could, I couldn't chill. But now I'm realizing, like, no, nothing's stopping me. I can entirely unplug for a week. But again, like, that's just my natural stasis. And maybe I just sleep well at night knowing that I just was glued to a computer screen and answering emails ad nauseum but uh yeah mm-hmm. i don't know i think i think i need to learn how to chill and unplug <laughs> that's my conclusion <laughs> do you go for walks uh i take a lot of naps actually oh. <laughs> yeah like like 15 them, uh... minute naps <laughs> oh that's i heard that that's really i can't do that it's like if i go down for a nap it's like i wake up and it's thursday and i'm like oh no yeah <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Nap, napping's a superpower. Oh wow. wow! I love that. I love this optimism that you're bringing to the podcast. <laughs> Let's go for it. Workaholic. Lean in. My nap lean schedule. In. It's a superpower. <laughs> Wait. So Brian, are you saying that you feel better now that you're back in New York and you're like bombarded with work and stuff? Do you feel well like, physically better? I, I feel great in that. Like, yes, I eventually like for, I forced myself to. I, I wasn't working as much, and it, it's mm-hmm. nice to be in a new environment, come back to New York, and I'm now like appreciating buildings in a new way. Even though I've lived in the city for the last seven years, I'm like, wow, there's so much beautiful architecture in this city that I just never took the time to really uh, <laughs> embrace. But 
Oh, yeah. I, I'll never be able to afford uh, that like floor to ceiling window apartment in Soho. But damn, it looks so beautiful. And yeah, I have a fresh perspective to my work right now. But um, yeah. yeah, it's good. It's it's a much needed respite. But I, I, I am coming to terms with the fact that I am. A, I think my life priorities are like so inextricably tied to work and like how productive i am yeah. and like if i'm productive then i feel good in the long run i don't think that's very healthy so i, I kind of want to like reframe in my brain um healthier uh a healthier work-life balance and nip it in the bud now but yeah i feel like for me in my 30s has all has been about like coming to terms with my quote unquote shortcomings and like mm. seeing them as, oh, this is my part of my personality and that's totally fine. You know, like yeah. I am really bad at scheduling stuff. And maybe that's like you're coming to terms with like maybe you're the type of person that just likes having a lot of work to do. And that's just that's <laughs> just your personality. You know, sounds like know. a total drag to be around. <laughs> <laughs> I love work. <laughs> I love work and anxiety. <laughs> Working and napping really gets, <laughs> and, and yeah. then nap, trauma napping yeah. yeah but in any case stephanie enough about us how are you feeling well it is so funny that we're you know talking about working and work-life balance or the lack thereof because i feel like i recently also have surrendered i you know i really like unplugging i am the type of person who usually like after a big project or after a really busy time I will just un like put my away email messages on. I'll turn off my phone. I'll be in like a farm on some island, like rural island somewhere. And oh, I just nice. love like completely detoxing my mind. Mm. Um, but I am in a really busy moment right now. And mm. I think mm. I, for a long time, I think I've really resisted my industry and, um, just I've I think my inferiority complex was really like you're here just because you're lucky you're here mm. on accident like it's so crazy that all this is happening to you like this is to mm -hmm. you're totally this is just like a weird fluke um mm. and I would say that the um the release of everything everywhere has mm -hmm. and how people are receiving it has been really providing me a lot of healing and not even just affirmation, but just helped me realize that like I have offered something and it's not an accident that I'm here. Like I'm allowed to love this thing that I do and I have, mm. I, wow. it's not going to go away anytime soon. Right. Um, and so in a weird way, wow. you know, since the release of this movie, I've been like, you know what? I like do deserve to be here and I do deserve to work in this industry. I have value that I bring to the table and I'm passionate and excited. And I have this very special moment and opportunity where I can really take the reins and forward a lot of projects that I've been working on or ideas in my head. And so I'm like, yeah, let me just be a workaholic for a little bit because mm. yeah. you know, how rare is it to, be able to have this type of um, opportunity and agency in a very difficult field to work in. Um, mm. So, yeah, that being said, I'm like, you know, very much, I, I just got a work email, which um, <laughs> has been transcendent because I used to have all my emails go into one place and then I would just be like, oh my gosh, all these people from all these lives and all these jobs yeah. are sending me all these things. And now I have right. one that's just solely designated to work and nice. it's been uh, transformative. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I need to get on that organization kick. I don't do that. I'm just like, everything goes through one thing and I'm like, I'm just never going to read any of these emails actually. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. It's, <laughs> My friends who, you know, work in like nonprofit organizations have been teaching me. This is very mm. um, sexy convo, but they've been <laughs> teaching me about like Gmail filters and <laughs> archival <laughs> folders. I and uh, I'm just like, let me get into this and put my <laughs> boss lady pants on. You know, something in your answer here uh, is something that I actually was thinking about a lot uh, mm. after watching the movie. Um 
you said, I mean, it's kind of a little bit off topic because I, from the first question, but um, it kind of reminds me of a lot of conversations that we have on the podcast with Asian creatives and a lot of my friends who are, you know, like in marginalized groups where they, you know, they call it imposter syndrome. And now they're kind of starting this conversation away from it because this imposter syndrome is the idea that um, you are exceptional and you're great at your job. But mm-hmm. because you don't think that people like you belong in a certain place, you think that it's a mis- or not even because of that, but you s- somehow can't accept that you're great and you keep thinking that it's a mistake that you're moving mm. ahead. But the truth is that you're just very good at your job and you're exceptional and everything that you're getting, you actually deserve. And now there's like this conversation starting around how a lot of women of color have that imposter syndrome. But the truth, the other side of that is that the industries that we are present in actually um, sort of uh, stoke that perpetuate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. they keep, because we are surrounded by people that are not as maybe a little bit, not as good as us or mediocre. (laughs) And we're seeing them move, you know, above us. Failing upwards. uh, Failing upwards and (laughs) into positions where other people that look like them have, quote unquote belong right and so yeah so i i feel like that's very much kind of what i wanted to touch on in a little bit in this conversation yeah Yeah. totally i mean i i think that's so real i mean i i don't know how old you both are but it sounds like you're both in your 30s Mm -hmm. um and i am in my early 30s as well and you know like when we were growing up this podcast was not even a thing. So every form Mm -hmm. of media that we were seeing was not us. Right. And so, yeah, we were literally imposters. Like we were like not there, you know, um, the way that I think of the word imposter is, um, just in this context is like, if you're living in a castle and the, (laughs) and someone knocks on the door and the King's like, that's an imposter, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And just, you know, and I think it represents of like, the word represents someone that doesn't belong, right? Yeah. And I think that very literally what we were seeing in our media, whether it's Mm -hmm. magazines or the movies that were in in the movie theaters, we just literally were not there, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So it is so wild to be having this, kind of community healing through this this cultural landscape. Um, And it's so complicated and nuanced, but feels really exciting as well. Yeah. And I, I just want to stress that um, I'm, I'm really happy to hear and glad that you're, you're taking this reception and this moment from everything everywhere as a way to validate your work because you're absolutely tremendous in the film and for the listeners who haven't seen it like there's just so much character work and it's just a very complex character that you embodied in the film and the whole time was like this is you're like so this is fucking amazing like there you're an incredibly incredibly talented actor and um it is yeah, it, it saddens me a little bit to hear that even like someone as talented as you has been afflicted, like has felt the rumblings of like imposter syndrome in such a tough industry yeah, yeah. that we exist within. But I just want to like shower you with all the praise. And I'm so glad that you're you're using this moment to like, you know, approach your new work with this like positivity and optimism because it's it's absolutely well deserved. And I, I want to I think that lends us to, uh, you know, uh, a question that we had about the film more specifically, and you mentioned that, you know, you, when you reframed imposter as like, especially for us Asian Americans, like in the media landscape 20 years ago, imposter is just, you don't, there was nothing. It belong. was a desolate landscape. Like we just didn't even have a table in the room. And, you know, with, uh, we wanted to talk about like representation, um, in a way that we feel like hasn't really been touched on in regards to everything everywhere. And that is, you know, we felt that it was like a spectacular and deeply Asian American film. And, you know, young me and I, we talked about how it, it, it's somewhat, it made us a little bit sad too, because it feels like mm-hmm. something Asians were always capable of doing. And we're somewhat left wondering like what could have been if more 
Asian Americans were encouraged to create films decades ago. And we're wondering, like, what are your emotions involving the success of this film and the paths of all the creatives involved? And do you think this film will open more doors for more ambitious Asian projects? Yeah, I mean, it's complicated, right? Like, I think the woo-woo side of me really believes in divine timing. I mean, we filmed mm. this movie before the pandemic. So we've actually been sitting on this movie for two years. Wow. And um, and yet it feels like the perfect time to be releasing this film. And I think there's always, when it, when it comes to anything, like there's always a certain kind of what if and man, I wish we could have started so much sooner. I wish this happened mm -hmm. so much sooner. But I do believe that progress happens sometimes at a time scale that we can't even understand why it is the way that it is but it was oh actually this is a this is a quote that uh, I think the old coach of the San Antonio Spurs used to say Greg Popovich which oh, is nice. that it's not <laughs> it's not the if a if a if a nail and a hammer are to a stone it is not the final hit that breaks the stone open. Mm. It is all the hundreds and thousands of pounds on the nail mm -hmm, that happened mm -hmm. before that break the stone down for that mm. hit, right? Yeah. And so unfortunately, for whatever reason, you know, it's taken us this long. And I think that if I, when I was younger, if I had stopped to think about all the ways in which this is an impossible industry for me to pursue, I would have just gotten um, too depressed and too sad and gave up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If I, if I, right. if I really looked at all the reasons why it was impossible, um, I would have just been too sad. So in some ways, mm -hmm. I feel like this moment is, I'm just excited to celebrate it. And I mm -hmm. think the you know, because James Hong, for example, who has been in over 500 movies, is 93 years old. He yeah. still loves acting as much as he did when he first started. And when he first started, people were in yellow face. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> think about how much yeah. in one lifetime that is where he started. And wow. so I have to believe that there's just so much to look forward to. There's so many ways that we are about to surprise ourselves and mm. the way, you know, that I'm just, I'm excited to continue to look forward, but mm -hmm. I definitely affirm the sadness too, because, yeah. you know, I think about, you know, Michelle obviously has had an incredible career, but mm -hmm. she hasn't had an opportunity like this. And at mm -hmm. the same time, like mm -hmm. it had to be at this time in her life, for her to be able to show all that she's capable of because she's acquired so much over the years. Right. And the same with Key. Like, of course, there is a part of me that's very aware, you know, Key's amazing in the film and he stopped acting for 20 years because yeah. um, there were no roles available for him. Yeah. And then he gets to come back like this. But, you know, there's always, right. I mean, I think no matter the color of your skin, there's always a little bit of fear that um, there won't be something else for you to do, you know? Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, I was right. think that's like the part that makes me really sad. You know, when I heard about key and like, I read about like what happened to his acting career and obviously now, and then just hearing about you say, if you had really sat down and thought about um, what was going to happen to you in this industry, it was like hard to think about. I think, Th that makes me so sad because I think what comes up for me is like I can't help but think about all the thousands of people that you know were like just like the thought of like some kid that's an Asian kid in the 70s or 80s writing a wonderful screenplay about our our experience as Asian people or, or his experience or her experience right 
and that just being like nobody fucking reading that do you know what i mean yeah yeah like that like all those people and i think um but obviously the other side of that emotion and that sadness is like very profound sadness you know um the other side of that is just like so much excitement and happiness for you and all the other people involved and like like what you said like oh with michelle like this had to happen now and like that Mm -hmm. this it happened and it's exciting and so we can be also happy you know well i was gonna say that maybe that is what we're all three of us are kind of tapping into some sort of uh workaholicism right (laughs) is maybe because we are inspired or like charged or something in us is like whoo there's i can push something forward more than i could even just a year ago and so I better keep pushing, which is not necessarily healthy, right? That's like, I think the also, you know, complicated conversation around um, marginalized people and the pressure to excel beyond all uh, means is like right. extraordinary, you know? Right. And yeah. I definitely also, feel, yeah. yeah, what were you about to say? Oh, sorry. I don't know why I'm like, I started crying and now I'm like, this is so fucking stupid. I'm so corny. Like, look at us. We did it. And I'm like, this is the weirdest time I started crying ever on this podcast. Oh, I was just going to say that what you what you just brought up is in the movie, you know, like the which is amazing. Like this entire conversation that we're having is like in mirrored in the movie. Like that just yeah. like is. Oh, uh, so I don't sweet. know what's why am I crying right now? Right? Because you're feeling the, the feelings. It's the feeling. Yeah. It's the feelings. You're feeling um. Asian. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. That's a sound bite. Somebody uh, we got that, right? <laughs> um I just want to say um, uh, another funny thing about this movie is whenever anyone speaks is I'm sorry, is it like Cantonese in the movie or there's Cantonese and Mandarin. Mm -hmm. Oh, there is. Okay, so whenever anyone speaks Cantonese or Mandarin, it's so authentic. But like, do you remember when we were kids, there'd be like a movie like, oh, we're going to Japan. And then like somebody would start speaking Korean because they they just hired (laughs) They just, we'll just hire an Asian person, whatever. And it would be like, dong bek, dong bek. And I'm like, that person doesn't even speak Korean. Like, well, what's going on? It would be so ridiculous. <laughs> I read an episode of something before the pandemic, but not so long ago that it's like freakishly crazy. Maybe five yeah. years ago, I read an episode of something where it took place in a, uh, a Chinese nail salon and then oh they walked in and the Asian people that were in there, they were speaking English, but they were saying like Mama-san, which is a very Japanese <gasps> thing to right. say. And I just was like, to what is this? I was like, get me out. Oh my God, it's so triggering to read. <laughs> to just like, day, they my God. Yeah. You know, you mentioned divine timing, Stephanie. And uh, like, you know, one thing that really struck me with Everything Everywhere was... The, the messaging of the film, like after I saw it, you know, I, there, there was just a silence that kind of just fell over the movie, uh, fell over the theater and everyone was like, oh my God. And, you know, it, I, I loved how positive and hopeful and inspiring and optimistic the, the messaging of the movie was because I just feel like lately so many films that are quote unquote like good or like oscar buzzy or just people films that people on letterboxd would like it's they're they're so nihilistic and cynical in messaging so that's mm-hmm. why like everything everywhere in terms of divine timing it just felt like a breath of fresh air like i i think it's so much harder to execute art that is rooted in positivity because it, it's just challenging and i think you all you know everyone on the film involved like knocked it out of the park and i'm curious like you know, the director, Daniel, one of the directors, Daniel Kwan, he's he's very active on socials and like is, is so gracious and always credits everyone involved in the film and like gives a lot of BTS shots in his Instagram stories. And I'm kidding. It, it looks like really fun. And there's like a, like a like a strong sense of camaraderie amongst the cast and crew. And I'm curious, like while you were making this and involved with this project, like did you was it palpable? Did you feel like you were part of something special? Absolutely. I mean, it's so funny. As you were talking, I just started to get emotional too because 
you know, it's young me. You gave it to me all from New York. You're, you're poison. I didn't want to cry. I sent it to you. (laughs) No, I mean, listen, the reason why this movie is the way it is, is because the Daniels really care about humanity. They both Mm. are excellent filmmakers with big hearts who exercise a lot of kindness, both in how they run a production, how they run a collaborative environment, especially also with our producer, Jonathan Wong. Um, But they literally want to make the world a better place. Um, And I just think, I just feel so lucky because I I came up from a world of experimental theater and one of my mm. biggest mentors was this woman Liz Suedos and she um, wrote this musical that literally took homeless children off the streets of New York in the 1970s mm. and wrote a musical with them and then mm. it ended up going to Broadway um, mm. but she was always very like fuck the man fuck the man but the yeah. purpose of being an artist is to be uh, to to provide offering, to provide healing. And mm-hmm. so to be able to somehow get to do this project as like my first studio feature feels like the most honest way for me to shake hands with the outside world of like, this is what I'm about. And these are my friends and this is what we're about. We're about like creating inventive stories that are also for you. They're not meant to alienate you. We want to make you, we don't want to, make you feel better and not challenge you. We want to challenge you, but at the end of the day, like we're all trying to figure out how to make sense of this very crazy time we're living in. And we, Mm -hmm. if we're gonna make art, we hope that you can go home with just some of your heart held. Um, Mm. And I think that the Daniels do such a great job of creating a collaborative environment where everyone feels equal, you know? I mean, we do warm ups, we do awards on Fridays um, where we Mm. give an award to someone who maybe is less um, in the forefront, right? Um, Mm. Like if a prop assistant versus a prop Mm. master or someone Mm. who just built some crazy set piece and we bring them out and give them a little award. And Jonathan Wong, our producer, he sends out newsletters at the end of the week of like a recap of good things that happened. And mm-hmm. um, I, it really, I think the reason why this film works is because the way that we made it and the heart that is there, um, that the that is the uh, like sort of um, theme of the movie mm-hmm. is actually what, how we practiced the art of making it, you know? Mm. And to mm. me, like mm. the, mm. this whole experience is so mm. life affirming because it makes me believe that it is possible to be good, right? It makes mm. me believe yeah. that people mm. are not so jaded that they don't have room for compassion or like sweetness in a very cutthroat mm. industry. Like you, yeah. we have to be kind, we have to. Yeah. You can really feel that through the screen. I think all that work makes so much sense. And um, I think that one of my friends, I was talking to my friend and she was like, well, I was sobbing violently throughout the movie. And she was like, well, cause she was like, she's been through like my close friend. She's had a very hard traumatic life and she's a Buddhist. And she was like, well, this is, she was like, I kind of feel like I'm seeing my life philosophy on the screen and nobody understands where I'm from. Cause I'm just where I'm like, what, what place I'm coming from, which is like always the softness and the kindness and the gentleness. And for her, that's, that's basically meant like a lifetime of people who are, who are not that like cruel and taking advantage of her and do you know what I mean like this feeling of sort of trying you know that saying like the hardest thing in the world is to continue to be kind or there's some sort of saying like that and I think for her that's very true and I think that's what spoke to her um totally this film and I sort of love also I think what's helped me a lot even in just you know, rewatching it after these years, you know, obviously everyone really loves the, the rock scene. Um, mm-hmm. and it is one of my favorite mm-hmm. scenes as well, but I think there is, the movie is very Buddhist in some ways, right. Or it has a yeah, very kind of cosmic sure. Zen philosophy. And yeah, 
we are as we are all small and stupid. Like we are all insignificant. Yes. yes. Right. I say that every day. <laughs> <laughs> but our but our yeah. insignificance is also quite significant because somehow yeah. we are all here at this moment in time, right? Mm-hmm. To be celebrating this movie, to be celebrating each other on the Zoom. Like for some freakish reason, we are here. And so like we have to we don't have to do anything with our nothingness, but we're all just trying. We're all just trying our best. None of us know how to stop the war. None of us know like, like how to fix it, but we can just try. And I feel like in our culture and especially with social media, there's so much like defiant knowing, right? Like Mm -hmm. I know this, this is my opinion and I know it. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I just think that there's such, um, value in not knowing and realizing how much Mm. we actually do not know and i do think that our movie offers that kind of yeah gosh i i don't know i have no idea but nothing matters and so we can just do our very best that's my that's my i call it the i'm a dumb bitch (laughs) philosophy i'm a stupid bitch who doesn't know anything And I stick to that every day. Oh, I just want to clarify that when you said the rock scene, everyone, if you haven't seen the movie, it's when they're rocks, not Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> you know, people like, people no, like, no, no, no. The, the rocks rock. in this movie. Oh, God. Listen, if that's going to get you there, fine. Yes. Yeah. He's there. He's in the movie. Go watch it. <laughs> oh man that that fucking rock scene that's like i i knew i was just so sobbing good. during the rock scene i'm just like damn i know that i'm watching like a gr- truly great film if there's just enough emotional stakes and just seeing two rocks on the screen and like why am i sobbing what is happening right. to my body when right the rock now? falls off the cliff oh my god i lost it <laughs> <laughs> the rock rolls off the cliff that was, that was it for me <laughs> when Dwayne the rock johnson falls off a cliff <laughs> um you know this is uh, uh you know for our listeners if you haven't seen it at this point then you're the problem go see it but we wanted to dive a little bit into uh your characters in this film you seamlessly weave through all these characters and you know you played three in particular joy wang and jobu tubaki and this third combined character of joy boo did you derive anything from your personal life to flesh out these three distinct characters <laughs> like what was the pro how did you like keep track of all of it all. <laughs> yeah so i would say like the the two most distinct characters that we were really focusing on were joy and jobu and then the daniels and i created joybu as a sort of secret <laughs> language thing that in oh. sometimes we would just mm. like whip out a texture of like i'm not one or the other but maybe mm. i'm both and all you know and that was right. like a weird sort of shorthand that we made up that I think really helped the, I mean, you can't necessarily distinguish those moments, but I think it helped us just get at a texture for a villain. Um, Mm -hmm. um, but, but yeah, I think, you know, I am a daughter of an immigrant and I think that there was a lot that I was able to pull from, um, for the character of Joy, who is this queer, um, despondent, very depressed uh, daughter of an immigrant who's desperately trying to, you know, reach her mother, but failing to do so at every turn. And mm. I, I, the, the sort of core root of what I wanted to share between Joy and Jobu, I wanted to make sure that they were ultimately still coming from the same place, right? Mm. Um, and that that center is actually of nihilism, right? Right mm-hmm. of nothing mattersness right. is actually from a place of hyper empathy, because Jobu Tupaki, who is this nihilist um, creator of chaos, can feel. There's a line in the movie where they say she is uh, she has seen all and she feels all. Feels um, all, yeah, yeah. And that is something that I think I was really uh, sort of tapping into and joy Mm -hmm. feels all and it completely 
drowns her and overwhelms her. Whereas Jobu mm. feels so much that she's like, let me self-sabotage and like blow it all up and just create mm -hmm. chaos. Wow. Um, and definitely wow. in terms of just being a hyper empath, that is something that, you know, when I first moved to New York, I remember like sitting on a subway and seeing a stranger cry on the other side of the train. And I would just be weighed down, but I was like totally just overwhelmed with sadness and, and mm. concern mm. for this stranger. And mm. through my years of living in New York, I had to really start, you know, and getting older, I had to start learning to, you know, not carry what's not yours. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But, yep. But I think naturally I do have that sort of um, hyper awareness and hyper feelingness that I definitely mm -hmm. tapped into for Joy and, and Joe Boo. I totally get that. That like that's so profound how you're like it's like you're they're both coming from this place of feeling too much. And so they're mm -hmm. not feeling anything at all. And somehow that's kind of the same thing, you know? Yeah, weird, right? <laughs> yeah, I totally get it. When you said it like that, I was like, wow, that really clicks. But to me, I felt like, um, you know, they were two very separate characters and I thought you really oh, yeah. masterfully um, played them. But then I could also see like that they were supposed to sort of be the same character. And also, I feel like both characters, I feel like I know so many Asian daughters that are both those characters. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so, yeah, that was really amazing. I was so blown away by your um, your skill and your craft. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Youngmi, do you remember? Uh, so Youngmi and I, we both went to... Uh... We both went to the same, we studied acting at the same studio in New York. Yep. And I remember like, you know, I came up in comedy and comedy is inherently just so cynical and nihilistic. And I remember like on my first day of acting school, I was like, what is all of this woo woo shit? Like, this is what's going on here? Like, is this yeah. real? But then, uh, you know, a couple, like a year after the, into the program, I was just like fully into the Kool-Aid and I'm like, I'm an actor and like <laughs> I'm walking New York, like I'm feeling everything and it just makes me cry feeling, so yeah. much. <laughs> but uh, that just brought up that memory for everything. me because when you were like, uh, I was like, oh yeah, Stephanie is a, you are, you are a legit true actor because you can compartmentalize that and you feel all the things because. And just act uh, normal on the subway. Meanwhile, Brian's crying. Brian was the one that was crying that you saw on the subway. Yeah. <laughs> And people are like, are you okay? And I'm just like, no, I'm in acting school. It's just too much. I'm an actor. I feel too much. It's so funny because I, I feel like I resisted, you know, I, I'm such a little poo head. I, I feel like for the longest time I was like really obsessed with not just being an actor. And I think I mm. still at my core am obsessed with that. Like I value writing and I want to direct one day, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I, I think that I was always just worried that if people knew I was an actor, they wouldn't think I was smart or like mm. a full fleshed out human being. And so I did, I never mm. wanted to be the cliche of an actor. And, you know, in my recent embrace of like, okay, yeah, this is what you do. And this is like the thing that continues to put food on the table for you and like open every door, shut up. You're so annoying. Um, <laughs> I, I've been like, just um, embracing that curiosity again, which I, I find mm. to be really um, healthy and also fun mm. of just people watching and noticing. And, you know, I think I'm not a method actor, but I think inevitably, like when you get a script or you're working on a project, you're going to draw from what you know and what is familiar right. to you and your experiences. And to be an actor is actually quite a, it's pretty tender, right? You, you're constantly mm -hmm. being asked to look mm -hmm. at all those ugly parts of yourself or recall those memories that, um, that were profound and possibly painful and then mm -hmm. turn it into art. <laughs> like, right. yeah. oh my God, how dehumanizing. <laughs> <laughs> But also very healing, right? It is very healing. Yeah. Well, you're 
you're the best actor that I know. So <laughs> that I've ever to, so You're very kind. Uh, we've definitely I'm, benefited I'm tremendously for your service from your service. <laughs> you're. I feel like people like toss around the word the words like brilliant and genius all the time, but that's that's how I feel about your work. And I tr- and I feel you. like people stop. Don't use that word for anyone else. Everyone, it's only for <laughs> thank you, thank you. So okay, so this is this is the question that I was just thinking because when I saw the movie, I was in the um, theater and I was like, I feel like the only Asian person that I could see, and I found myself laughing um, at certain times like so hard, and nobody else was really laughing. Um, and so I guess the, the question that I have for you is, um, I think like good writing and good humor is universal, but do you, like, while you were making the movie, did you think, uh, did you notice any like themes or jokes that you thought that people that weren't Asian wouldn't get? You know, it's so funny because I think be because all of us were Asian, we were just excited about all the things that we thought were really funny. Um, I mean, there's so much in the movie that I think everybody has something to hang their hat on. Well, first of Mm -hmm. all, if you like hate, if you hate the movie from the, in the first 15 minutes, you're just going to hate the movie the whole time. So it's like, okay, (laughs) that's fair. Like this movie is not for you, you know, it's okay. Um, but if there's anything that like captures you, you're going to find something outside of like, you know, Asian dialogue or whatever to, to Mm -hmm. kind of keep you going because there is so much humor. But what I love about it is that there is very specific humor to Asian culture. One of my favorite jokes, and it's not even like a joke really, but um, is when in the beginning of the movie, when the character Evelyn, who's played by Michelle Yeoh, is talking Mm -hmm. to her daughter, Joy, um, played by me. And, um, and Joy has her girlfriend Becky over at the house and they're mm-hmm. making like sesame noodles at the in the kitchen and and mm-hmm. Evelyn says something like you know he doesn't have to stay and then Joy is like oh, who's he and then <laughs> Evelyn says he Becky and i and then Joy says Becky's a she mom and then mm-hmm. Evelyn says um well he she in chinese it's all the same pa mm-hmm. which um you know, is something that if you don't speak Mandarin or if you don't know what that means, that's going to float. That's just information about a character, but it's not funny. And, um, yeah, I just love, I don't know. I know that that flew over so many people's heads and, but it's so it hits really deep for me, you know? Um, I was going to say, like, I felt that in many moments throughout the film. And I, I think that the core heart of this film is so, universal that even if those totally. jokes like uh, there were those subtle moments fly over your head like you will still leave yeah. w- like leave with like something to be had yeah. from this film but like one moment in particular sure. was like you know when when joy is in her car and evelyn like you could tell that evelyn wants to apologize but she just can't so instead she just insults her yeah. daughter and i was like and oh, she's fuck. Yeah. <laughs> i felt yeah. i felt that like Fine. this is yeah. a lot <laughs> Oh yeah. oh yeah yeah all those little moments i have to say well the moment that you bring up stephanie i thought that that was so genius because um I, as somebody that like is you know like half korean and i grew up in korea when i come to america and there's all these like discourse and like topics of discussion i'm like oh well there's like a whole other world out there and like people see things so differently and like mm. you know like i think the line that you talk about is about like the sensitive to pronouns that that's very very valid and very important it's a very uh, important discourse that we're having in america but then evelyn is like well like i didn't misgender them i yeah. it's just that in my native language we only have one pronoun and so it's like showing this like multi it's showing you people that the world is very big and there's like all these other people that live in it do you know what i mean totally I thought it was really smart yeah, yeah and You know, and I don't know, like, I I think in that specific moment, the Daniels and I, we could, we weren't thinking about the scope of that conversation. We were just Mm -hmm. so specific. And that was, that is, I think, such a great teacher in the um, gifts of hyper specificity is that actually when you're more specific, they become more, the stories become more universal somehow. Mm. Um, 
And that is just, uh, yeah, that's just interesting and fascinating. And also, let me say that the parts where I laughed at, I think the reason people weren't laughing weren't that they didn't get it. It's because they were scared to laugh because it, the parts where I was laughing so hard was when Evelyn's born and the doctor's like, I'm sorry, she's a girl. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I, I that 100 percent happens. And yeah, I thought that was so funny. And I think like the like sweet like couple next to me, they're like, I'm sorry for your trauma. And I'm like, no, yeah. it's funny. That's fucking <laughs> or like um, like the part that Brian brought up. Like whenever Evelyn like insults her daughter, people were like, and meanwhile I was like cry laughing. Yeah, yeah, like, That's yeah. So accurate. Yeah. And I feel like people people felt like they like weren't allowed to laugh. I think is yeah. what was going. Like they got it was funny. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, I think that's totally accurate. And it it, it yeah. just your experience of the movie varies so much on who you're with. And um, right. I yeah. definitely recommend bringing people that you like just going with friends is so fun because I think when people start laughing, it also teaches other people that they're allowed to. And I think that, you know, there's a lot happening yeah. in the movie very fast, very quickly all at once in the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's always really, I've seen it seven times now and it's really interesting. I love going to theaters, um, or watching it when I'm, you know, with true strangers and not people in the industry, mm. because I like to see and notice when people start to break open a little bit and how mm. people like learn the movie. Um, right. And I find that I think it's the fanny pack scene, the keys fanny pack fight that really right. breaks people open and teaches people oh, this is funny. This is going to be funny and mm -hmm. awesome and right. weird, you know? Um, and I'm allowed to laugh. Mm. Funny, awesome, that's and so weird is... I, I'm going to just... That's. I feel like that's the Asian uh, American experience. Funny, funny awesome, and weird. And awesome sad. And weird. And sad. <laughs> and sad. And sad. Let's be honest. Sad. Oh, I'm sorry, she's a girl. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, this is before we uh, let you go, we want to shift into our lightning round portion of this podcast. And we like to ask all of our guests these questions just to get, them, get to know a little bit more about them. So, Stephanie, what is something you're loving right now? What am I loving? Oh my gosh. I'm really, okay. So I love cooking and I love herbs and I'm, I'm really loving basil right now. I'm, I like, we'll make salads and then I will just like cut basil in. Oh, and also this is like an Asian thing. You said rapid, rapid fire and I'm monologuing, but so <laughs> no. Asian people do that thing where they cut scallions with scissors so now I'll even just like cut like a salad with yeah. scissors where I'll throw it all into yes. a bowl and I'll just like oh, scissor yeah. it like that. Ooh. Yo. Scissors. Scissor, scissors are scissors scissor and basil. Underrated utensil in the kitchen. Scissor cooking. Scissor cooking. I'm into scissor cooking. That feels accurate. <laughs> I feel like Korean moms, that's all they use. Like, have you ever been to like a Korean barbecue and they just like bust out the scissors and yes. they just start scissoring oh, yeah. every scissoring. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Um, no, but whenever so I go exciting. to my non-Asian friends' kitchens, I'm like, you could just use scissors. Like, just, I, I do just bust them out. <laughs> I, I do think scissors are the most popular in the Korean diaspora, I have to say. Yep. Oh, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a good tool. On the scissors. I don't, I don't know how that happened, but, you know, it happened. And they got those thick scissors, too, to, like, cut meat and stuff. That have, like, ja like a jagged circle jagged, in yes. the middle. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> love it scissors. Oh, scissors and basil love it scissors oh, and basil herbs. it's exciting y'all heard it here first uh conversely stephanie what is something you're hating right now oh my god this roe v wade shit is so <gasps> fucked up um and i just yeah it, it's just a really hard um time in our country and it's very difficult to know how to be helpful um mm. and that is about I, I hate that i just hate it i hate and i and what's really sad is that i think that i really um lost a lot of hope for america long ago and so i'm yeah. feel i'm feeling myself feeling not surprised that this is happening and like right. moving through that where you know, in my 20s, I was at every march and I was always on the front lines. 
and like pushing mm-hmm. so much forward. And I feel, I think I feel really just, um, I don't know what this country stands for right now. And so I don't, I'm having mm. a hard time standing up for it, you know, or like yeah. fighting for some universal vision of it because it doesn't feel like we're moving in that direction. And so, um, mm. yeah, scary. I, yeah. I felt, I felt this uh, level of frustration about it where I felt like it's never gonna get fixed. So I was like recent, you know, recently, especially since the pandemic and two years of being so fucking stressed out i've i've hit this place in my brain where i'm like this is also very on theme i'm just like i'm just gonna fucking make jokes about this because i have to laugh about this at this point because yeah. mm-hmm. it's not gonna there's like you know like what you were saying earlier like what what can i do obviously there are things that i can do and i try to do that but it's like right. at the end of the day it just feels like we're fighting like trying to climb a mountain you know yeah totally and art is a part of that conversation right like jokes and and it's all part of it but you know i just yeah yeah, i'm just trying to be soft softer about it because again in this sort of spirit of divine timing we all have to put in the labor and the work and the effort to make things better and at the same time Mm -hmm. i think that there there's just something bigger that's shifting in our country right now that I, I certainly yeah. don't understand, but it's happening. Well, thank you for sharing. Um, I, I certainly take solace in knowing that, uh, you know, conversations like these where I can confide in other people who feel the same feelings that I'm feeling. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so our our next quote, like I'm like, wow, sudden shift. Um, Scissors. Our next <laughs> Scissors. Clear the plate. Um, Scissors. <laughs> you know that meme where this kid drew like you know those like memes where it says like a uh, funny things that kids write in their homework. There there was this one picture and it said sit some bit like like eight-year-old had written scissors and they drew scissors, but it looked like a penis and balls. Oh my god. Oh, I like Oh my I, god! Like that's like an inside joke that I have with my friend, and every once in a while, I'll just be like scissors, and then we'll both just la- die laughing. That's really <laughs> funny. I'll, I'll send it to you later. It's so funny. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> um, so, uh, Stephanie, your response to this next question, listeners, if you want to hear Stephanie's response to this, you're gonna have to subscribe to our Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/FeelingAsian. This is where our guests uh, get pretty juicy. So uh, without further ado, Stephanie, what is something you're ashamed of? Okay, this is the first thing that came to my mind. Um, wow. Well, you know, Stephanie, thank you so much for, uh, you know, being so vulnerable and getting real with us. But we, we want to leave you with this one last question that we like to ask all of our guests. And that is, what is something that you're proud of? Hmm. I'm really proud of everything everywhere all at once. I'm I'm not only proud of the offering that it is to this moment in time and and the people out there in the world, but I'm really proud of my friends, the Daniels and Michelle, Jamie Key. I'm proud of how mm. everyone is handling it and with mm. so much grace and kindness and genuine excitement but still they still just feel like regular people i mean Mm -hmm. everyone's handling it with so much love in their hearts and i'm really proud to be a part of um an important movie that is also with such good people I like feel like everybody in the movie, even though I don't know them. And of course, like Michelle and Key, they're both so famous. And obviously I, I saw them growing up and I know of them. Um, I think this movie is so great because it just shows that people, you know, like we're just I, I don't know. I don't know why, but like it just really feels that they're just like great people. And maybe we're all just good people. And maybe we're we all deserve um you know, like space for us. And, um, and I'm really proud and I'm very excited 
to have talked to you today because I just feel like I feel so like thankful that this movie exists and I'm sure that like you know like people it's it, I'm sure that for sure it's opening so many doors for so many people and you know like the sad part that I was talking about earlier like thinking about all the people that never got a chance there are a bunch of people that saw this movie and now feel like they can definitely do it too and I think that's like very profound so mm-hmm. so think I'm so thankful that you came on the podcast thanks for having me and thank you for yeah. believing in the movie so much it means a lot yeah and Yay. I just wanted to echo that sentiment because, you know, I, there were so many moments in this in our conversation that I was left with like goosebumps, and I, yeah. I, I just want to thank you for, um, I, I, I don't know, it was just like much needed, and in, in in this theme yeah. of divine timing, like I find that in this industry there there's so many roadblocks and it, it's really challenging, and I, I find that times that I can get quite jaded and quite cynical about. And just so focused on outcome rather than embracing process. Mm. And I think that, um, you know, your your relationship to your work and the, the, the way you framed like this, this the pursuit of art and um, what it means to you. And like you said, like the rock scene, like we're all just like floating specks in space and we're all just sort of we're here for a reason and we're all just doing our best and having a conversation. And um, it, it was a much needed I, I, thank you for sharing that. It's just all I want to say because it's it's a salve to some of the the cynicism that I carry with me, and um, I, I'm I'm leaving this conversation feeling more hopeful and optimistic. Thanks, y'all. That means a lot. Yeah. Thanks for holding this space. Yeah, of course. Also, I just want to say I always say on this podcast like don't feel embarrassed by your emotions. But that I feel kind of stupid that I cried. Why? <laughs> I don't know. It's making me because I'm crying. I mean, obviously, this is your wonderful, beautiful work. But it's like <laughs> I'm like I don't know anybody in the movie. <laughs> like I'm just like I'm so happy for my friend. It's if, like if, I have nothing to do with anybody. I'm like, if it makes <laughs> me feel any better, so many people when I do interviews or press, yeah. so many people start crying, and I think it's really oh good. Yeah, you're not alone. You okay. are you are not alone. Okay. <laughs> but you're not. It makes I, me feel so much better. I think it's so cool. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. wow, it's so refreshing to know that people can be moved like that we are mm, physical yeah. beings can be moved to tears even if it had nothing to do yeah. with the movie but just like having this conversation yeah. gives you space to to move some shit like my god that's thank you for crying thank you for being a you know an open channel a v8 <laughs> oh v8 <laughs> sponsored by v8 <laughs> you put it in the fridge for two days and it will never get cold yeah. v8. <laughs> um for our listeners out there where can they find you and your work online um the internet just google my name i don't know i have a complicated relationship yeah. to instagram but i'm on it find me i'm yeah. using it i'm using it these days trying to you know Yay. not fight everything but <laughs> embrace, <laughs> embrace the reality that everyone, uh, you know, receives a lot of information from social media. And, um, yeah. you know, until Elon Musk buys that too, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> uh, and w- what about you, young me? You can find me at YM mayor or on TikTok at young me mayor. How about you, Brian? Uh, you guys can find me online at It's Brian Park. And before we let you go, it's time to do some Patreon shoutouts. Once again, as a reminder, if you want to support the podcast, you can do so at Patreon at patreon.com slash feelingasian. Go check it out. We have a bunch of different subscription tiers, but any donation amount gets you a shoutout on the podcast. And without further ado, first shoutout goes out to Erica Sato. Erica, uh, I am going to guess that you are an illustrator and cartoonist and uh, you always bring white claw to the potluck no value judgment that i'm just simply stating a fact uh next shout out goes out to vivian chen vivian you are i'm feeling very arts and crafts today i'm feeling crafty you're i'm gonna guess that you're a ceramicist um you lead with ceramicist when you introduce people at house parties, but you're also 
uh, your side hustle is that you're a product manager at Twitter. And uh, yeah, give us the tea on what's going on with uh, Elon Musk's uh, recent buyout. Uh, next shout out goes out to Maggie Denman. Maggie Denman. Maggie, uh, you own a coffee shop with um, a great selection of books and magazines. It's one of those coffee shops that carries a Partimento magazine. Uh, yeah, one of those. Very Instagrammable. Tons of influencers go to your coffee shop. And as a side effect, you're quite frankly, you're crushing it. So keep doing you. And thank you for supporting the podcast. Uh, next shout out goes out to Chia Sun Cheng. I, I apologize if I completely butchered your name. Uh, Chia Suan Cheng, you are... Uh, I am going to guess that... You know what? Straight up, you're an investment banker. Yeah, you you do the work. You put in the hard hours. But it's all going to pay off because in three to five years, you're going to be coasting nice in private equity. You're going to have... It's all, it's all set for you. But you know what? Actually, you are probably the best. I, I commend you because you probably don't even listen to the podcast because your hours are fucking crazy. Yet you still make the time to donate to our Patreon. Well, in any case, uh, if you in the future, if you want to uh, uh, coordinate a buyout or a merger, an M&A acquisition with our podcast and uh, who knows, some other big media entity, hit us up. You know where to reach us. And last shout out for this episode goes out to Tofik Sichter. Uh, Tofik, I'm going to guess that you're an engineer for NASA, but, you know, not some aerospace engineer. We're talking some machine learning, future alien communication, top secret shit for NASA. See, I can't, I don't even have the language to describe what it is that you do, but you do the cool, the, the level five security engineering at NASA. So, uh, yeah, if I'm right and you have some great tea for us, shoot us a line because we'd love to interview you. Um, but yeah, in any case, uh, if you made it this far, everyone, thank you again for supporting the podcast. Like and subscribe to our podcast. Follow our podcast on socials at Feeling Asian Podcast. And yeah, I think that's it. Once again, thank you for joining us, Stephanie. And we hope you all have a wonderful week. And check out Bye. the movie if you haven't seen it. Yeah, go to the movie. Check out the movie if you haven't seen it. Go What's to the movie and, dr- and, and go. drink some. Speaking of V8 yeah. and yeah. enjoy. Starring Dwayne, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye, everyone.